Hello! Welcome to another episode of Piecing the Parsha Together. This week's Parsha is Parsha Slechlecha, and it is a jam-packed Parsha filled with several different stories, different facets of the life of Avram Avinu, the beginning of the Parsha in the story of Avram leaving Haran, and then in Mitzrayim, <clears throat> sorry, getting abducted in Mitzrayim, and then a quarrel with between the shepherds of Avraham and the shepherds of Lot. Then the war of the four kings and the five kings. And Avraham's <clears throat> rescuing of Lot. And then the bris ben Habasarim. And then uh, Hagar marrying Avraham, getting kicked out of Avraham's house by Sarah. And the birth of Ishmael, and then the mitzvah of Bris Mila, and Avraham being informed that he will in fact have a child from Sarah who will be Yitzchak. So many, many stories. This is the first Parsha, perhaps you could say, that focuses on the story of the Jewish people specifically, as opposed to the story of, of humanity, which is the previous two Parshios. And um, from the outset, there is a, a lesson of sorts to hit home about the stories of the Torah. And that is going to be that they are not focused on a history of the Avos. I remember from many, many years ago, our Ebri of Sheftel Neuberger, Zechron of Racha, pointed out in Parshas Lechacha that the chronology is impossible to reconcile. At the beginning of the Parsha, we're told that Avraham is 75 years old. When he leaves Haran and he has to go, there's a famine, he goes down to Mitzrayim. And the wealth that he accrues in Mitzrayim will cause him to eventually separate from Lot. You have the war of the four kings and the five kings in part to capture Lot. And that is uh, followed by the story of the Bris ben Habasarim. The problem with the story of the Bris ben Habasarim is that, according to Rashi, based on the Seder Olam, which we'll say is the most conventional of approaches, Avraham is only 70 years old at the story of the Bris Ben Habasarim. So, okay, maybe we'll we'll say somehow, some way, and we'll get to that in a moment, that part of the Parsha is out of order chronologically. We'll have to be forced to come on to the concept, even though Rashi doesn't mention it here, of Ein Mukdam Mukha B'Torah. There's, you know, we're not worried about the chronology. But um, the, the Chumash itself throws an additional wrinkle into the ease of saying that, that it sounds like following the war of the four kings and the five kings will be Avraham's discussion with Hashem about his offspring, as well as Mitzrayim. It says, right immediately following Avram's discussion with the king of Sodom about the division of spoils, Achar hadvarim ha'ela, after these things, and Rashi says in that Pesach, Tezvav Aleph, Kol Makam Shnemar Achar is Samach. If it says Acharei, it's Muflag, it's further away. Achar hadvarim ha'ela, after these things. 
after this miracle, Shaharagas Malachmi killed the kings. Bahayadoe Gavraham was worried, Baomer Shemaki Baltishar Al Kold Sid Kosai. I've received reward uh, my reward for all of my merits, all my righteousness. The Kah Amarloamakam, therefore Hashem said, Al Tiravram, don't be afraid. You have plenty of schar. So it sounds like the story of the Risbet Habasarim follows immediately after the War of the Four Kings and the Five Kings. So Sheftel uh, went on to further try to show there's a certain chronology as to the number of years uh, of the war. It says they served for 12 years, they rebelled in 13 years, and in the 14th year, Kedar Omer uh, rises to power. Uh, how do you count those years? Do you go 12 years and then 13 years, and in the 14th year, is it year number 12, year number 13, number 14? If you add all the years together, the makes the age of Avraham impossible from the beginning of the subjugation, it would seem that he is only, uh, maybe if it's 26 years, th- 12, and then 13, and in the 14th year of rebellion, 14 plus 12, then Avraham would be um, not as old as, as, as 75. Um, regardless, um, there is perhaps a way to at least work out some of these chronological issues. A couple of years ago, I was reading a Sefer published by Rabbi Mordechai Frankel, who at the time was one of the senior members of the Nei Yisrael Kolel, now works for the Star K. He is also Rav at the Agudas Yisrael in Baltimore, about the different Midrashim and at times the contradictory nature of certain Midrashim that describe different events in Sefer Bracious. The name of the Sefer is Mayim Rabbim. So Parshas Lech Lecha, he has a piece, it's the fourth piece on the Parsha, about counting the, the timing of the wristband of Asarm according to Rashi, based once again on the Seder Olam, that Midrashic source. There is another piece that will go through perhaps some of the other opinions as to when it occurred. But working with the assumption that the wristband of Asarm is when Avraham is 70, which is based on a Pasuk and Parsha's bow, it says B'nai Israel are in Mitzrayim for 430 years. So Rashi makes the count there. How do you get 430? It counts 400 years from the time of Yitzchak's birth. And then I-430 means that Avram was 100 years old when Yitzchak was born, so go back 30 years. And really the 430 years is counted from the bris of Sarm when Avraham is 70. But again, have the specific issues that it doesn't seem to work out chronologically. So he quotes a Rashash on the Medrash Bracious Rabbah says Mem Gimel Vav. And he says that you can look at the Psukim. And if you look at the Psukim where Shem talks to Avraham, he first talks about Avraham having children. And that is the first six psukim of Perak Tezvav. Hashem says, don't worry, you have plenty of reward. And Hashem, Abraham responds back, what good is that for me? I don't have a child, it's just all going to go to Eliezer. And Hashem says, it takes him out, maybe to outer space, to count the stars, and you will have offspring like that. And Abraham believes in Hashem, and that is considered a tzedakah. Okay, and that's the end of, interesting, also the fifth aliyah. The next aliyah, perhaps there is a break, even though there's not a break in the Chumash itself, in the Torah itself, or the Peir Samach, 
it says, Vayomer Elavani Hashem, which is perhaps an interesting thing. If Avraham is having the same dialogue, it seems a little funny that there would be a, an introduction of another comment of Hashem. Or wasn't Avraham previously talking to Hashem? And he will say that this is a this is a break. This is a break. And the bris ben Hamasarm actually begins with the beginning of the sixth aliyah, where it says, Vayomer Hashem Eilav, Ani Hashem Eisherot Sisicha Meyarkasti, Moseisachayim Hashem Tuki Yad Varkasti, Moseisachah Esaharetz Ezos, the Rishta, to give you this land. And then Abraham responds, Bama'ida, the famous Bama'ida, which uh, the Gemara Nidarim uh, describes as one of the causes of, of the entire Shibud in, in Mitzrayim, the servitude in Egypt. How will I know? And Hashem says, let's make a covenant, we'll make a deal, take these different animals and cut them apart and go through the pieces. And that's the covenant between, literally between the parts, the bris ben habasar. So, if this um, is a break, so then what we would be forced to say in light of this is that in reality only the little the portion of the bris ben Abbasar, which would be the begin from Pusik Zion through uh Chafal, so that's uh fifteen psukim, those fifteen psukim and only those fifteen psukim are out of order. And if you cut out right there and you take that and put it at the beginning of the parsha, everything else should fall um in order, maybe we have to work out the chronology of the of the war, of the four kings, and five kings. But perhaps it, you know, if you just say that it's twelve years they serve, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled, you certainly would avoid that issue. And we have the Torah more or less growing uh, chronologically in order. Um, there's a, a question that would be posed. Obvious question is why do they do that? Right, the Ramban in particular doesn't like saying Ein unless you have a compelling reason. So for this, um, Rabbi Frankel concludes the piece by, in essence, saying we want to show Avraham uh, completely separated from his past existence. It says Avraham's got some concern about leaving Terach in his old age, and Rabbi Frankel uh, bases it on a medrash where it seems to say that Hashem has said you can you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's been removed from you any any of your any of your past your obligations to your father your obligations to the past. So the parsha starts with Avraham as uh, something new, something unique. So again, perhaps that'll be also the idea that perhaps the regular rules of of history, the chronology aren't 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 automatics. Um, you know, the Torah will be written in different ways to to suit different purposes. Uh, not 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 solely interested in a historical account. It is also um, going to be true now that the, there's a Gemara in the Dharam and Daflamid Bays where it says that Avraham's comment about Ma'ida, how do I know that my children are going to inherit the land that causes the exile in Mitzrayim? And the Gemara there offers two other uh, reasons, potential reasons for why. And those two reasons are that during the battle of the uh, four kings and five kings, Avraham empties the base Medrash, Vayarek Eschanichav, or once the battle is over, he uh, tells the king of Stone, I- I'm not taking anything from you, even though he offered him the, the, the captives of war. And the Gemara says maybe he should have tried to convert them.
So those three, but it, it doesn't quite work out. Um, the first bed of harm is earlier than the other. So how could they all be the same? So there's a Kliyakar uh, on a Pasuk of Bama'ida, which says that Avraham's, Avraham's uh, shortcoming here is not necessarily a sin, but it's you don't you don't need to know this. You don't need to know what's going to happen in the future. And he says that the punishment, therefore, is Mida Kenegad Mida, is that Avraham is now being told, you asked for something that didn't directly impact you. You're Avraham, you're living today. You don't have to be worried about what's going to happen to future generations as far as the land of Eretz Yisrael is concerned and how Shem tells him, you want to know so much? I'm going to tell you more. I'm going to tell you the fact that they're going to be enslaved in Mitzrayim for a long time and it's going to be bad, but eventually they'll come back. Um, if that's the first one chronologically, because that happens when Avraham is 70, so that it almost seems like perhaps these following two things of him emptying out the base measures or him rejecting the captives of stone maybe are, are in some way linked to that. So one um, thing I would offer is that the Pusik, when it talks about the prohibition against divination, Parsha Shoftim, it says that we are supposed to be Tumim. We're supposed to be wholesome with B'nai Yisrael, with, with Hashem, and not we don't seek to know the future. And when Avraham is commanded on the bris milah, it's with the same words of Hisalech Lafana Vehiei Samim. So perhaps Avraham doesn't quite have that tmimus, that, that wholesomeness, that completeness. Maybe that in some way sets up these other two, perhaps there's slight shortcomings, but shortcomings nonetheless. So to develop this perhaps a step further, um, Rabbi Lapiansky in his Safer Golden Apples talks about the idea of what the perfection of Brismila is. It's the last piece in the Parsha. And he, he, he sort of echoes this idea that we're supposed to have our, our physical drives in check. But if we don't, it will, it will block the mitzvahs we do from fully shining through. So that is the idea behind Brismila is the removal of the Orla is supposed to help let the you know, put the body more in sync with the neshama. And therefore, all the mitzvahs that a child will then do from then on will fully radiate. And that could be uh, a way to further explain a connection between at least that Gemara. Rav Dessler writes in the second chalik of the Michtam Eliyahu, he has a, has a section on Maisa Avos. It's one of the chapters talks about the causes of 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 the gullus of mitzrayim and he talks about the idea of the others are on a very high level he says but it's the the sale of the goof don't exactly have a full comprehension of what it means but there's still some idea of physicality that that obstructs what they do and he says yes avraham could have a slight a slight um inclination of his own in some of these activities that wants to know how his children will inherit Eretz Yisrael. It's, it's still something to know about his future progeny. He perhaps has a slight uh, antipathy towards the people of Stone. He um, has a, a slight uh, you know, desire to save Lot when he, when he empties out the base medrash. It's not just the pikuach nefesh. So perhaps there's a slight uh, layer of, of, of the body there. And again, all these things happen before Avraham is uh, with a bris mila. 
And then you can even throw in the Ramban says, what about what about Avraham going down to Mitzrayim? The, the Ramban holds he should not have done that at the beginning of the Parsha. And again, it could be the same idea of they have to go. Maybe there's a famine, but there's still something about he he's worried about himself. So perhaps this is a way to explain that that additional Gemara that links them, that the Bris Ben Abbasarim happens earlier, and it's, it's it shows Avraham not fully developed. And that will leave him uh, a little bit more sensitive to things at the Avos at, at the Avos's level, which will have uh, big ripple effects in history. It'll cause Gullus. and perhaps by the end of the parsha, and maybe the stories in the next parsha, um, we don't see the same kind of ripples in anything that Avraham does. It causes some sort of negative impact many generations later. Is because at the end of the parsha, Avraham reaches that level of Tamim through Brismila. So again, the idea of, of our introduction to Avraham and Jewish history, Avraham is something something separate. And that separateness, number one, perhaps is not going to therefore no longer be bound by chronology. And also it's going to be this focus on the mysum of the of us having tremendous ripple effects, which could be potentially fully rectified, in some ways rectified by Avraham's obtaining at the end of the Parsha. That's Tamimus. And Rashi says that is additionally by the hay being added to Avram's name, he has complete control over all aspects of, of the body represented by the gematria of Avram's name is 248, 248 different parts of the body. So with that, I thank you all for listening. I wish you a wonderful Shabbos, a complete Shabbos, a whole Shabbos, and we will see you again next time.